0: chapter 19 of buffalo bill from prairie to palace this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org buffalo bill from prairie to palace by john m burke chapter 19 buffalo bill's pards of the plains To gain great local and national fame as a plains celebrity in the days of old was not an easy task, rather one of the most competitive struggles that a young man could possibly engage in. The vast, comparatively unknown, even called Great American Desert of twenty-five and thirty years ago was peopled only by the descendants of the sturdy pioneers of the then Far West, Illinois, Missouri, Arkansas, Iowa, Minnesota, Kansas, etc., born raised and used to hardships and danger and attracted only the resolute determined adventurers of the rest of the world seeking an outlet for pent-up natures imbued with love and daring adventure hundreds of men achieved local and great numbers national fame for the possession of every manly quality that goes to make up the romantic hero of that once dark and bloody ground when it was brought to mind the work engaged in the carving out of the advanced paths for the most domestically inclined settler of the dangers and excitement of the hunting and trapping of carrying dispatches stage driving freighting cargoes of immense value guiding successfully the immense wagon trains gold hunting it is easy to conceive what a class of sturdy adventurous young spirits entered the arena to struggle in a daily deadly dangerous game to win the bubble reputation when such an army of the best human material battle for supremacy individual distinction gained by the unwritten law of unprejudiced popular promotion possessed a value that made its acquire a plains stamped indelibly with an honored title rarely possessed unless fairly openly and justly won a prize so pure that its ownership while envied crowned the victor with the friendship following and admiration of the contestants thus boone Crockett, carson beale fremont cody bridger kinman Hickok, cosgrove comstock frank north and the others will live in the romance the poetry and history of their distinctive work forever the same spirit and circumstances have furnished journalists innumerable who in the west imbibed the sterling qualities they afterward used to such effect notably henry m stanley who in eighteen sixty six saw the rising sun of the young empire that stretches to the rockies general greeley of arctic fame and the equally scientific explorer lieutenant schwatka passed their early career in the same school and often followed the trail led by buffalo bill finnerty formerly of the chicago times modoc fox and o'kelly of the new york herald in eighteen seventy six while of late years, the scribblers were initiated to their baptism by fire by Harry's of Washington Star, McDonough, New York World, Bailey of Interocean, Brave Young Kelly of the Lincoln Journal, Cressy of the Omaha Bee, Charlie Seymour, Chicago Herald, Allen of the New York Herald, Robert J. Boylan of Interocean present in the battle who were honored by three cheers from the old white-top Forsyth's gallant seventh cavalry the day after the battle of wounded knee as they went charging over wolf creek to what came near being a crimson day to the fight down at the mission that there were still successors to every king is assured by the manly scouts so prominent in this last indian war and such men as frank garrard now the most celebrated of the present employed army scouts of Little Bat, true as steel and active as a cougar, Philip Wells, Louis Shangro, Big Peptiste, and John Shangro, while the friendly Indians furnish such grand material for any future necessity as No-Neck, Major Sword, Red Shirt, and Yankton Charlie. Wild Bill, J. B. Hickok It is a noticeable coincidence that nearly all of the famous frontier characters are natives of the West, and J.B. Hickok, better known as Wild Bill, was not an exception to the rule. Born in LaSalle County, Illinois in 1837, his earliest desire was for horses and firearms. At the age of 14, he had become known as a wolf killer, for at that time the country where he lived was overrun by them. Acquiring a rudimental education, he started out to earn his living and began as a towpath driver on the Illinois and Michigan Canal. Longing for fields of adventure, he went into Kansas, where he soon made a name in the border war, then going on there. It was in Kansas that he was given the name of Bill, though just why no one seems to know, and afterward his daring and adventurous career got for him the added cognomen of Wild Bill, a name that he certainly made famous serving upon the frontier as wagon boss pony rider stage driver and then drifting into the position of guide and government scout wild bill made a name for himself in each occupation he followed it was while serving as train boss of one of russell and major's wagon trains that wild bill met and befriended buffalo bill then a mere boy and the friendship thus begun ended only with the death of hickok at deadwood at the hands of the assassin jack mccall a soldier scout and spy during the civil war wild bill returned to scouting at its close the frontier becoming his home constantly he was thrown in the company of buffalo bill and when the latter decided to go upon the stage he determined that his companions in the enterprise should be wild bill and texas jack and they accompanied him to the east a dead shot an enemy to fear wild bill was as brave as a lion and as tender-hearted as a woman and he will go down in history as a true hero of the border texas jack j b Amahundro known in his native state virginia as john b Amahundro, the subject of this sketch won the sobriquet of texas jack after service as a ranger in the lone star state reared in a part of virginia where every man rode a horse and born a natural hunter While his parents were able to gratify his desire to become a skilled horseman and expert shot, Jack Amohundro at an early age became noted among his comrades as a fearless rider and a dead shot. When the Civil War broke out, though but a boy, Jack enlisted in the Confederate cavalry and during the four years saw much hard service and was a participant in many battles. Becoming connected with the headquarters of a Texas general, he was made a scout, and as such rendered valuable services to the confederate army allied with texans he went with them to texas at the close of the war going to the frontier where he joined a company of rangers from ranger in which capacity he saw much service against the indians he turned to cattle herding becoming first a cowboy and afterward a rancher going northward into kansas in charge of a large herd of cattle texas jack met at a frontier post buffalo bill a warm friendship at once sprung up between the two which ended only with the death of the gallant texan some years ago at leadville colorado it was through the agency of buffalo bill that texas jack entered the service of the government as a scout and won distinction as such and also as guide and indian fighter as a scout he was respected by army officers for his skill and courage and he became the warm friend of white beaver dr frank powell major frank north and wild bill joining the latter with buffalo bill in the theatrical enterprise which buffalo bill continued until he originated the wild west exhibition dr d frank powell white beaver the life of white beaver dr d frank Powell, bears all the colors and shades of an idyllic romance his character stands out upon the canvas of human eccentricities in striking originality and never finds his counterpart save in stories of knight erranty when hearts names and titles were the prizes bestowed for daring deeds evolved from generous sentiments his has been the tenor of uneven ways with characteristics as variable as the gifts in pandora's box a born plainsman with the rough rugged marks of wild and checkered incident and yet a mind that feeds on fancy builds images of refinement and looks out through the windows of his soul upon visions of purity and feels a lesion. A reckless adventurer on the boundless prairies, and yet an elegant society as amiable as a schoolgirl in the ballroom, evidencing the polish of an aristocrat and a cultured mind that shines with vigorous luster where learning displays itself, a friend to be valued most in direst extremity, and an enemy with implacable Insatiable and revengeful animosities. In short, he is a singular combination of opposites, and yet the good in him so predominates over his passions that no one has more valuable friendships and associations than these strange complexities attract to him. He is an ideal hero, the image which rises before the ecstatic vision of a romancer, and he impresses himself upon the millions who know his reputation as a brave and chivalrous gentleman a description of white beaver is not difficult to give because of his striking features those who see him once are so impressed with his bearing that his image is never forgotten he is almost six feet in height a large frame and giant muscular development a full round face set off by a grecian nose a handsome mouth and black eyes of penetrating brilliancy his hair is long and hangs over his shoulders in raven ringlets in action he is marvelously quick always decisive and his endurance almost equals that of a steam engine his appearance is that of a resolute high-toned gentleman conscious of his power and yet his deference i may say amiability attracts every one to him he is in short one of the handsomest as well as most powerful men among the many great heroes of the plains in addition to his other qualifications peculiarly fitting him for a life on the plains he is an expert pistol and rifle shot in fact there are perhaps not a half dozen persons in the united states who are his superiors his precision is not so great now as it once was for the reason that during the past three or four years he has had but very little practice but even now he would be regarded an expert among the most skillful for dead center shooting at stationary objects he never had a superior his eyesight is more acute than an eagle's, which enables him to distinguish and hit the head of a pin ten paces distant. And this shot he can perform now nine times out of ten. Any of his office employees will hold the copper scent between her fingers and let him shoot it out at ten paces, so great is their confidence in his skill. He also shoots through finger rings held in the same manner. One very pretty fancy shot he does is splitting a bullet on a knife blade. He also suspends objects by a hair, and at ten paces cuts the hair, which of course he cannot see, but shoots by judgment. Several persons have told me that they have seen him shoot a fish line in two, while it was being dragged swiftly through the water. White Beaver and Buffalo Bill have been bosom friends and fellow plainsmen since boyhood. History records no love between two men greater than that of these two foster brothers major frank j north this gallant officer was universally recognized as one of the best executive leaders and bravest men that ever faced the dangers of the plains although born in the state of new york march tenth, 1840 he was by virtue of his training a thorough westerner while still a boy his father moved from new york to near columbus in the state of nebraska and very soon thereafter was frozen to death at emigrant crossing on big papillion creek while searching for wood for his suffering family after a short connection with McMurrah, glass and messenger a party of trappers he returned to columbus and turned his hand to anything that offered in 1860 at the age of 20 years he procured employment with agent depai at the pawnee indian reservation while there he studied and became thoroughly proficient in the pawnee language and in the following year was engaged as interpreter by mr rudy son-in-law of the indian commissioner in eighteen sixty four when the sioux war broke out he was commissioned by general curtis to organize the pawnee scouts he formed a company of seventy seven young warriors and was made first lieutenant to major north belongs the honor of making the first enlistment of indians for regular government service In October following, Lieutenant North supplemented his first enlistment by another of 100 Pawnee warriors, who were equipped as regular cavalry, and he was promoted to the rank of captain. In January 1865, Captain North, with 40 of his Pawnee braves, started in pursuit of the Sioux, who had been committing terrible outrages in the neighborhood of Julesburg. Death and destruction marked the trail of the Sioux, and Captain North arrived in Julesburg just in time to rescue its inhabitants still pursuing he caught up with a party of twenty-eight of the red devils and not one of them escaped his vengeance this was a part of red cloud's forces and only a few days before they had suddenly attacked lieutenant collins and fourteen men and massacred the entire party shortly after this he became the hero of one of the most daring fights ever recorded during the pursuit of a party of twelve cheyennes with the intention of punishing them for atrocities committed in the neighborhood of fort sedgwick his impetuous ardor was so great that it led him far in advance of his followers he suddenly realized that he was at least a mile ahead of his men after bringing down one of the fleeing cheyennes he turned to rejoin his command seeing him alone the indian started in pursuit and his horse having been killed he was compelled to continue his retreat on foot after having gone some distance he remembered he had left two loaded revolvers in the holsters on his saddle and notwithstanding the danger he boldly returned for them and with them fought the cheyennes single-handed for nearly half an hour longer until relieved by lieutenant small in eighteen sixty five eighteen sixty six after the pawnees were mustered out of service captain north was appointed post trader at the pawnee reservation in the march following under orders from general Auger, he raised a battalion of two hundred pawnees who were equipped for cavalry service and taken to fort kearney he being commissioned a major this battalion guarded construction trains on the union pacific railroad until it reached ogden upon the completion of the road major north retired to a ranch on dismal river near north platte where he went into the cattle raising business he was then a great sufferer from asthma and had abandoned all hope of relief buffalo bill and major north met for the first time at fort mcpherson and served together in several campaigns they became very warm friends and afterward partners in the cattle business under the firm name of cody and north major north besides being a remarkable indian fighter and a phenomenally brave man was a thorough gentleman of generous and noble instincts an honest friend and popular with all classes his death a few years ago at north Platte was deeply and sincerely regretted by the many who had known and loved him well. To none did the news cause more sincere regret than to his old pard and partner, Buffalo Bill. Sitting Bull Though nearly a score of years have gone by since the Battle of Little Bighorn, where the gallant Custer and his brave band were slain, the name of Sitting Bull is recalled by all. And a sigh of relief went up all along the border when the news came that the noted chief had started upon the trail for the happy hunting grounds Those who condemn the Indian for his red deeds should remember that it is his education to be a savage to kill and to burn and pillage That the greatest slayer of mankind in the opinion of the red man is the greatest hero Thus considering that the Indian has his story to tell as well as a white man the mantle of charity should be drawn over their deeds sitting Bull was not a chief in the true sense of the word but was the moses of his people he had unlimited influence with his tribe and among other tribes as well and a mighty medicine man he claimed as well to be a prophet the career of sitting Bull was eventful and remarkable he was a leader and a schemer and when generals terry crook and gibbon were sent to capture him He showed great generalship in all that he did. He checked the advance of General Crook, slaughtered Custer, and escaped into Canada, where he and his people were safe. In 1877, a part of Sitting Bull's tribe surrendered to General Miles, who pressed them so hard they could not escape into Canada. In 1880, others of the tribe surrendered to General Miles at Fort Kew, and later Sitting Bull and others surrendered to keep from starving. They were transferred to Standing Rock Agency. Sitting Bull received tempting offers to go east on expedition, but refused all except one from Buffalo Bill, whom he knew was a deadly foe in warfare and a good friend in times of peace, and so went with some of his people to join the Wild West, with which he remained for a year. The killing of Sitting Bull is still fresh in the minds of the people, and his taking off has been condemned by many at the time of his death buffalo bill surgeon frank powell pony bob haslam and others were on their way to his camp to demand his surrender had buffalo bill not been halted by the command of the president and had reached sitting bull's camp the great chief would not have been slain and probably cody's influence would have been strong enough to have changed to a more peaceful settlement the emuette that culminated in wounded knee and pine ridge oklahoma pain Captain D. L. Payne, the Cimarron Scout David L. Payne, known throughout the West as Captain Payne of the Oklahoma Colony Company, was born in Grant County, Indiana, December thirtieth, eighteen 1836. In 1858, with his brother, he started West, intending to engage in the Mormon War, but reached there too late. He settled in Doniphan County, Texas his commercial pursuits there not resulting in success he turned hunter and so became thoroughly acquainted with the topography of the great southwest afterward a scout he was often engaged in that capacity by the government and by private expeditions in this way he became acquainted with kit carson wild bill buffalo bill california joe general custer and others of national reputation during the civil war he served as a private in the fourth regiment which was afterward merged into the tenth in the fall of eighteen sixty four he was elected to the kansas legislature upon his adjournment he again enlisted and his command was detailed for duty at washington city his service in the volunteer army covered a period of eight years his last position being captain of company h nineteenth kansas cavalry from october eighteen sixty eight to october eighteen sixty nine during these eight years he held the position of postmaster at fort leavenworth member of the legislature and sergeant at arms of the kansas senate at the close of the war captain payne returned to the life of the plains and in the spring of eighteen sixty eight he accompanied general custer in an expedition against the cheyennes during which he with two others was detailed as special messenger to fort hayes to secure assistance and in that capacity encountered great dangers and privatations. In 1870, he removed to Sedgwick County, Kansas, near Wichita, and in the following year was again elected to the legislature. In 1879, he became interested in a movement for the occupation and settlement of a district in the Indian Territory, which is known as Oklahoma, beautiful land. In 1880, he organized a colony for the purpose of entering upon and settling these lands, But was stopped by a decision of Carl Schurz, then Secretary of the Interior, to the effect that these lands were open to settlement only to negroes or Indians. Owing to the arrest of Captain Payne by the United States authorities, the colony disbanded. However, historians may differ as to the wisdom or legality of Captain Payne's so-called Oklahoma invasion and the court's decisions upon the subject, the fact remains that his name is held high in honor. esteem by the older citizens of the now flourishing oklahoma a monument to his forethought nathan salisbury now to one who if not a part of the plains is a partner in the wild west mr nate salisbury the partner of buffalo bill in his business enterprise of the wild west and his devoted friend was born in freeport illinois his parents being in humble circumstances nate salisbury began to work for a living at an early age his ambition being to win fame and fortune by becoming a self-made man as there was little to bind his affections to the home of his nativity when the war broke out with all the patriotism of an american stirring in his bosom he enlisted as a private in the fifteenth illinois regiment though but a boy in years his career as a boy soldier won for him praise and promotion and he was wounded in battle on three different occasions made a prisoner by the confederates he was incarcerated in andersonville prison where he remained for seven months being at length exchanged he returned to his home and began the study of law a few months of office work and attendance at school as well impressed him with the idea that the legal profession would still have a fairly large membership even though his name was not added to the list Abandoning his intention of becoming a lawyer, and while attending school, he was selected for a part in an amateur theatrical performance. From the time that he made his first bow to an audience before the floodlights as an amateur, he was seized with the irresistible desire to become an actor. With Nate Salisbury, to decide was to act, and going to Grand Rapids, Michigan, with only a few dollars in his pocket, he received a position which, though humble, gave him a start in professional life. After a short season there, he went east and secured a position in the Boston Museum Company, where his histrionic talent was quickly recognized by the management. His success at this theater soon attracted to him the attention of managers of other cities, and he accepted the position of leading man at Hooley's Theater in Chicago. His progress was thenceforth rapid. His popularity grew apace, and his salary was added to with every engagement. There was too much originality in Nate Salisbury to allow of his remaining a member of a stock company, so he conceived and constructed a comedy entertainment to which he gave the title of The Troubadours. From the first production of The Troubadours, the fame and fortune of Nate Salisbury were assured. His play of patchwork followed, then his most successful comedy, The Brook, which added largely to his riches and his name as an actor mr salisbury went with his troubadours in a trip around the world everywhere receiving deserved praise and he was the first dramatic manager who made this hazardous tour with his own company the tour took the troubadours after going all over the united states playing from maine to texas the carolinas to california through australia india scotland england ireland and wales wherever the english tongue was spoken meeting buffalo bill and learning from him his intention of giving wild western exhibitions mr salisbury became a partner in the wild west and took the active management of that gigantic aggregation withdrawing from the stage to do so during the tour of buffalo bill abroad at many dinners and assemblages mr nate salisbury's oratorical powers mimic skill ready wit recitative talent and facility of expressing sentiment delighted all who heard him and invariably made an impression that will long keep his memory green while the reputation of americans for oratory was well sustained by the prairie-born boy soldier as a proof of mr salisbury's nerve under trying circumstances he was about to go upon the stage at denver when he received a dispatch from his partner buffalo bill which told him that the wild west steamer on the mississippi had collided with another boat and sunk buffalo bill telegraphed The whole outfit at the bottom of the mississippi river what do you advise without an instant's hesitation nate salisbury wrote on a telegraph blank this answer go to new orleans reorganize and open on your date and this buffalo bill did some years ago mr salisbury invested heavily in the cattle business in montana and today owns one of the most valuable ranches in the northwest it was during his visit to his ranch that he saw the practicability of an exhibition such as the Wild West and readily joined Buffalo Bill in the enterprise. A man of brains, a strict disciplinarian, a genial gentleman, with genius to originate and ability to accomplish, generous and courageous, Nate Salisbury stands to-day unrivaled as an executive of great amusement enterprises, and he thoroughly deserves the fortune and fame that he has won. Indian names of states. Massachusetts, from the Indian language, signifying the country about the great hills. Connecticut was Mohegan, spelled originally Qua'nedicut, signifying a long river. Alabama comes from an Indian word signifying the land of rest. Mississippi derived its name from that of the great river, which is in the Natchez tongue, the father of waters. Arkansas is derived from the word Kansas, smoky waters, with the French prefix of arc, a bow. Tennessee is an Indian name meaning the river with a big bend. Kentucky is also an Indian name, e, signifying at the head of the river. Ohio is the Shawnee name for the beautiful river. Michigan's name was derived from the lake, the Indian name for fish weir or trap which the shape of the lake suggested. Indiana's name came from that of the Indians. Illinois' name is derived from the Indian word Illinois, men, and the French affix oi, making tribe of men. Wisconsin's name is said to be the Indian name for a wild rushing channel. Missouri is also an Indian name for muddy, having reference to the muddiness of the Missouri River. Kansas is an Indian word for smoky water. Iowa signifies, in the Indian language, the drowsy ones, and Minnesota, a cloudy water. End of chapter 19 Read by Thomas Thorson